do Russell's scene after after the message tonight, but just feel compelled to get right into it. First uh, Timothy chapter number six. First Timothy chapter number six will be in verse number six. We'll read down through verse number eleven, and uh, we'll try to um, be as quick as we can tonight. Found your place, say amen for me tonight. All right, that's enough for me. First uh, Timothy chapter six, verse number six. The Word of God says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be... Let me try that word again. Let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Now, as we read these several verses, we, we realize that there's, there's a lot of things that we've heard, uh, in, in this passage of scripture, whether you may call them old wives' tales or just things that have been passed on. Uh, just, matter of fact, verse number one, a lot of times you'll hear, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. A lot of times you'll hear for the love of, or sometimes you'll hear love of money is the root of all evil. I'll spit it out in a minute. But the Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so as you go down through here, you see some things that maybe you've heard from your youth. And uh, tonight, I, I'm not going to try to be deep. That's that's not really my forte. You can uh, ask somebody else to get real deep uh, in some of these things. But I believe that we can be reminded of some old but in some important truths in these few verses um, we know in our Christian life there is in the importance of prayer, there is the importance of loving one another, having love for one another. Matter of fact, that Jesus said that men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another or have loved one for another. And then there's the importance of caring for souls. We reminded you again on Sunday night that our theme for this year I realize it's kind of waning now, but the theme has been just one more soul. And uh, that's not just one soul to be saved, which uh, in the confines of the building we have not seen anyone saved. Uh, but outside of that, we saw a young man named Stephen saved. Uh, Hunter was saved recently. And so, uh, whether it was on the clock or not, I'm going to claim it. Amen? And so, we've had two more souls. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but uh, not only salvation, but as I mentioned Sunday night, uh, we need one more soul to surrender to God, to do what He's called them to do. One more soul to pick up something and pick up a mantle and run with it, to pick up a work and run with it. Uh, we need one more soul uh, to testify. 
You never know. Somebody in this house tonight may need to hear what your testimony is. And so uh, that is the, the goal for the year. But we know that there is an importance in caring for souls. Uh, but then there's also an importance in living your life in light of Christ's return. I've said this before uh, just recently that it would change the way that we live if we truly begin to pray for Christ to return. Uh, if we truly live our life like He could come back today, like we desire Him to come back today, it would change the way that we live. And so I want to, if I've got a title tonight, and I'm not settled on this, but you can write it down, uh, just back to basics. Some years ago, I guess in 2019, we started the series on the doctrines of our faith. And there was some, the, 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 the doctrines that we teach here at the church that we hold fast to. Uh, I'm not recount those, but, uh, even outside of that tonight, we'll deal with about four, maybe five things quickly. Uh, some basic things that we need to get back to. Number one is found in verse number six. Let's read it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So number one is godliness. We need to get back to godliness. Now, the first, first effort, the first chance that you have of being godly is going to be in response to the gospel. I've I've known a, a man, I, I could call him, I don't think any of you would know him, but I've known a man and, and he would look at some some person and he would say, they are so godly. They are so godly. But what he was talking about, they were godly in their acts. They they helped people in time of need. They uh they they sacrificed of themselves. But where he had some erring is the fact that he was just talking about how they how they acted and deeds that they did. Uh, but every time that he would say that, Brother Jim, I knew them on a different level and I saw the way they lived and the words that they said and, and some of the actions that they did. And, and here's one man saying they're so godly, but here I am and try not to judge, but I'm like, you must be talking about someone different. Uh, but the, 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 the very first action, uh, for someone to hear the gospel and to prove godly is that response towards the gospel of Christ. It is in response or the accepting of the gospel. That is your first step of godliness. Now, with, with that being said, there are a lot of folks that are trying to be godly by actions. But I want you to know that there are actions that may be godly, may be considered godly or good or whatever you want to call it, but that does not mean that you are godly. So as we, we look, we think that there are um, there there uh, people reading constantly. I, I hear preachers talking about, and, and not only preachers, but other people talking about uh, commentaries that they're reading, or this book by this person, this book by that person, or even reading their Bible, or I read my Bible every day, and, and we push that, need your, read your Bible every day, but understand that reading alone is not godliness. Well, I pray every day. Praying every day is not godliness. Now, y'all hang tight with me. I work every day. I do things for God every day. That's wonderful, but that is not godly. 
We cannot worship our way to godliness. We can come in here and we can raise our hands, we can shout, we can clap our hands, whatever it may be. But guess what? That is not godliness in and of itself. Not only that, but maybe you're able to give more than this person or that person. That's wonderful and it's needed. God puts all of that together within the confines of a church. It's an organism and we're all doing our part. But your giving is not what makes you Godly, Y'all hearing me tonight. Those things alone cannot make you godly, but those things are part of being godly. If you are godly, you will give. If you are godly, you will work. If you are godly, you will worship and pray and so on and so on. As we read our Bible, we understand that it is the path or the the route or the route to godliness. We cannot be godly without this book. We cannot get our instructions without it. Prayer, too, it is a way to godliness. But understand that it is a, uh, y'all pay close attention to what I'm fixing to say. When you are saved, you are forevermore and eternity saved. You're saved as you're ever going to be. But this idea of godliness, you, 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 your response to the gospel is one step in the right direction. But if you want to be godly, you're going to have to read His Word. If you want to be godly, you're going to have to continue by talking to Him in prayer. If you want to be godly, your response then is to worship and to praise the Lord. If you want to be godly, the next step is to do, to work for God. If you want to be godly, uh, you must have devotions with yourself or with your family, whatever it may be. You see, one of these things is not an evidence of godliness, but together in one's life it can be. We we focus, if we're not careful, we focus on this godliness just as an outward thing. But as much as it is outward, it must be inward. You can, you, listen, I, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm going to step on any toes, but I kind of feel like I'm going to curl mine up in my shoes tonight. Because you may be godly on the inside, but not on the outside. You may be godly and you may be humble inside, but outside you're a... a Lord, don't like when I say the word jerk, but I don't know if that's a bad word or not. So y'all let me know after church and I'll, I'll, I'll almost said I'll forgive myself, but I'll ask for forgiveness. But if, if, if inside you are, you are calm, cool, collected, and you're, you're peaceable with all men until you get around all men and then you're not and you're cantankerous and you're, you're a bully or all the... Some, something's wrong. You've got to have the two. If, if you're truly godly, then it's going to show outwardly. But there's a lot of folks depending on their outward godliness to make their inward godly. And that's not going to work. You, you can fake it. <laughs> I heard a preacher say the other day, he was talking to preachers, and he said, there's sometimes that you're not going to feel like being in the pulpit. There's going to be sometimes you're not going to feel like preaching and, and putting on the smile and all that. He said, but do me a favor. Fake it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay. Yeah, I've had to do that before. I've had to put on that smile before when I didn't feel like it. I've, I've had to go there. And I'm sure we all have. 
But if you're not careful, you'll get used to faking it and lose track of who you really are. Now, number two, number two is contentment. But godliness with contentment, he says, is great gain. Contentment and godliness are great combination. There is a con- contradiction in those who claim one without the other. No one can walk close to God, or in other words, no one can, can be godly and constantly complaining or be ill-contented or discontented. Or uncontent. Whatever. Pick, pick a word. You write it down. No one can know true contentment without truly walking with God. You see, they go hand in hand. Godliness brings contentment. Contentment is a result of godliness. It's the same thing, no matter which way you try, try to twist it. There are many folks today, and and it's sad, but there's a lot of folks even in churches today that they are godly. They may live a godly life, but they are not satisfied. They're not satisfied with two things. They're not satisfied with where God has them in life, or they're not satisfied with what they have. If you want to be content, look at what you have. If you do not want to be content, look at what you do not have. I mean, if, if, if we all stood in a line and we begin to say, all right, you list out all your possessions, you list out all this, you list out all your talents, you list out all, man, we could probably go run the gamut from absolutely nothing to a whole myriad of things. But I want you to know tonight that God has placed each of those we, we, we've, we've talked about and, and, and I believe Brother David talked about those talents and God has given people talents in the scripture. He's talking about money, possessions, uh, but we could, we could kind of construe it to mean whatever. Uh, but God has given us different abilities, different personalities and, and that's what, and I'm, this is not a, a feel good message. I, it's not TD Jakes or anything trying to hype everybody up, but, but God has given us each a talent and it all works together. We mentioned giving. Some are able to give a check with multiple zeros. Some have got all the zeros before the decimal. Some put it, Clearly, I ain't one of them people that knows how to write good checks. I mean, I write good checks. Don't misunderstand me. Y'all know what I mean. Usually, there ain't a whole lot of zeros to the left of the decimal. That's what I'm trying to say. Some, they can put them wherever they want to. But then, uh, who was it? Maybe it was at that meeting we went to the other night. When that widow comes by and she just throws in her her two mites, three pennies, whatever it may be. And God's got somebody else that puts in the rest. And that's the, way, that's the way it's supposed to be. And if we're not careful, we'll get to looking at what we don't have. And though we're godly and we start looking at everybody else and what they have, i got to go back to what we said on Sunday. Looking unto Jesus. Let's not pay attention to what we don't have, but what we do have. 
Contentment comes from focusing on what we have. Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What about that? Isaiah wrote it thousands of years ago that God was going to take care of the person that would just trust in Him and keep his mind stayed on Him. Number three, understanding. Look with me quickly in verse number 9 and verse number 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So we look at this and we we think about the word understanding. In this understanding of here we have um, the temptation, the rich, the temptation, the snares, the foolish, hurtful lust, drowning in destruction and perdition. Uh, I mean, you just go on. It, there, there's not a whole lot of good news in those two verses. But if we're if we're going to get back to the basis basics, we have to understanding that that along with those talents that God gives us, whether it's money or whether it's physical talents, whether it's personality or what, there comes. Um, if we could say like this, there comes a price, okay? And that price, is, I believe if we could use one word, it's a balance. If God's giving you, giving you money and God's giving you wealth or riches, if you will, then it has to be balanced with life. I've, matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I, I mentioned about the reality, we preached about the reality of salvation. And in that, I said that one of the point, one of the illustrations was the reality of war for some is two men with a pen and a checkbook. See who can write the most money to pay off the next person or that country. And if, if, if that is the concern, well, well, I've got all of this. Look what I can do. Look what I've amassed. Look at everything that I have done then you're going down the wrong path. But if you realize that what you have is God-given and God is allowing you to, to help here and to do this and to work with this and to bless this and to bless God and to bless His work, then you're, you're where God needs you to be. Yes, you have more than maybe someone else, but that contentment and godliness takes precedent. There's a goal for many people in life, and it has been mine before, there's a goal to just have money. I don't, I don't know that that's ever not a goal for someone. You get your first job, and they say, okay, mine, I was getting paid, I think, four twenty-five, something like that, an hour was minimum wage. Uh, first job was working with my dad. I'll pay you a dollar, a day. Some of y'all could say, well, I got a, a quarter every week. I don't know what, what the wage may have been. But it, you get that first job and you're like, okay. Well, you start making plans. Well, if I work, if I work a week, I'm going to get this. And 
And I know I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Gotta do this. Oh, but look what I've got left. And I'm just going to keep it there and I'm going to keep building. I'm going to keep building. There's nothing wrong with building. There's nothing wrong with money. But it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's when, it's when you hoard it. And when you don't give and you don't bless and you don't give back to God's work and to help others, you don't do things right. You do anything you can to get another dollar. You cheat, you lie, you steal to do that. That's when that love of money has overcome and it's become evil. There's a lot of people that has the goal of becoming rich. But there, there could be sorrows that accompany riches. There's just the care of keeping all of that money. Uh, it sounds silly. Some of y'all will know what I'm talking about. Who was it? Scrooge McDuck? You know, I, I don't remember a whole lot of his, his cartoons, but I remember him being in his vault counting all of his money. That, that's not what a Christian should do. You may have a vault full of money, but the care of keeping it should never enter in. And I know with that, and I don't have, I don't have any, so I, I may be speaking outside of my mouth, but I know that with money comes care. Making sure that you still have money. Making that money work. Putting it where it needs to so we can grow. All of those things. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing. But when it consumes you, when everything is about it, that's what it's called. The love of money is the root of all evil. I don't think I don't think we have that problem in here tonight. I've seen some of you that may have more than others reach out and help others. I've been a recipient of that. I've been a recipient of those little two mites before. I've been a recipient of a check with several zeros on the other side of the decimal. And I've been a recipient of a couple $1 bills. They blow, both blessed. God, I, I, I said, God, use both of them to bless. And there's been a lot of... The, I just, I guess it's been two months ago, a lady gave me a check and said, this is for you. And I tried my best to give it back to her because I felt like she needed it more than me. And she, no offense, but she gave me that old lady response. Don't rob me of a blessing. So I let it sit on the bathroom counter for a little while before I ever did anything with it. Hoping I could figure out a way to give it back to her. You see... Whether you got that might or you got millions, whatever it may be, don't love it so much that it ruins you. Give it to God. Last and very quickly, I'm going to the house. 
it's done got hot in here. I'm ready to go. Goals. You look at verse number 11 and you find that it mentions several things. Just boom, 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 boom. Right off the bat. Righteousness. Godliness. It's funny that within, what was that, five verses? Six verses? We find godliness twice. Paul is telling a young preacher, Timothy, you need to seek godliness. And it's not something that... I'll just speak for me. Y'all know I'm not perfect. Heaven knows I'm not. Brother David, it seems like when I I get close to God and everything's going well, I, I really feel like I've got to that. Okay, I can say I'm godly. Not, not in a prideful way. Then something happens. And there's a wedge. Nobody really has to tell me. Of course, the Holy Ghost is there. The Holy Ghost. But it's almost both Jody in my mind. I know that ain't, that ain't right. You said it last night at the men's meeting. When, when a child of God is saved, Usually, if they're going to go into sin, they're thinking about it before they do it. And it's like as soon as that thought comes in, the Holy Ghost goes to work. Say, no, 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 let's not do that. So as you go throughout your day, we ought to be seeking godliness. One of the worst things that I have ever heard as, as a Christian if someone else sees something that I've done or heard something that I've said and someone else says, is that the way a Christian ought to act? That convicts and that ticks me off. I mean, my flesh just bows up. They're right. They're right. But why did it take someone else to tell me that I've done wrong? Most of the time, Brother Samuel, I knew I'd done wrong. I was just too prideful to admit. Righteousness, godliness, faith, faith. We need to seek after these things. Love. How do we need love in in our church, in our home, in our heart, everywhere? We need love. First Corinthians, Corinthians thirteen, verse one. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. We need love. We need it in the pulpit. We need it in our prayer closet. We need it everywhere. I was reading something today and the man said that before he ever gets up to preach, Maybe during singing, maybe at his study, maybe on the pew. He said, before I ever get up there, he said, 
I read 1 Corinthians 13. Because no matter what I preach, if I preach it without love, it's going to be a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. He said, patience. Waiting for God to work His will. It's one of the hardest things you will ever do. But we ought to seek patience. And then meekness or humility, if you will. Those are things that we need to seek. We're going to go back to the basics. We need to, we need to get back to it. And it's always going to start with ourselves. None of these lists that you find where, where you can get closer to God, not a single one of them is going to say, look at your brother. Not a single one of them says, make sure they're right, God, before you ever get... No, 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 no. Even in Matthew, it says, if you bring a gift down to the altar, but you realize that your brother's got an ought against you, you leave your gift there. Go get it right with them, then come back. See, it's all about getting us right first. That's why I believe we can say godliness always comes first.